Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. have a generous heart, you have a surrendered heart, the blessings of God that are going to be upon you, you can't, you can't put a dollar figure on that. These funds weren't going to Paul. They were going to be dispersed among the church in Jerusalem. And he wanted the Corinthians to be a giving people, but he also knew the blessing comes because of the attitude and the openness of the heart of the giver, not simply the size of the gift. It's not about the size of the gift. It's about the attitude of the heart. Today, Pastor David teaches about the importance of understanding that God knows our hearts, and God desires that we give from a cheerful heart. So what's your attitude when you give? The reality is, the one who gives enjoys as much of a blessing as the one who receives, maybe more. Further, our willingness to give can reflect the state of our trust in God. So if we want to experience a great blessing from God in our hearts and lives, we must trust God, especially with the financial areas of our life. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Financial Responsibility. Barner reports that some population groups were more likely than others to have given at least 10% of their income. Now, you hear the difference between discretionary fund and income, okay? How many would like to live off the income versus the discretionary amount? You know, the discretionary is just what's left over. So the income is what you get, okay? So those that give at least 10% of their income. Among the most generous segments of the religious community, and actually this is within the Christian community, were the evangelicals. Now, we throw ourselves in the bucket of evangelicals, and they say that 24% of evangelicals tithe. Now, we'll get into tithing a little bit more in a moment, but tithing is, is, is considered biblically as 10% of your income off the top before taxes. It's just the first fruits, 10% of the first fruits. That's the Old Testament description and declaration. That's the same definition that's used even in the New Testament anytime they speak of tithing. Okay, so that's what that is. Now, so for evangelicals, 24% tithe. For those that are listed just as conservatives, 12%. For those that aren't listed in any particular group, but they are people who prayed, read the Bible, and attended a church service during the last week, it drops down to about 12%. Those that are in the charismatic or Pentecostal churches, those at 11%. And I thought that this was interesting. And registered Republicans (laughs) at 10%. 
Now, I say that's interesting because as I was reading a lot, and I don't want to go really deep into this because you really get deep in the weeds when you start looking at all these statistics from different groups. But conservatives give more per person, per per capita, than liberals do. And that is amazing to me when I started looking at it because you look at all the liberal causes and how financed they are, well, their money doesn't come from a wide range. It comes from the higher up, very wealthy, and big corporations. That's where their finances come. So on the conservative end, we look and we can almost see that politically at this last election. The wide conservative range, again, was able to elect a conservative president, while again, on the liberal end, with as much money and every finance as all, they weren't able to elect their individual for president. So it's just kind of interesting how all that works. Now, let me go on with a couple of more things because to me it's, it's fascinating. Hopefully you're not getting too bored and we'll get back into the balance of the word here in a moment. But I do believe that this goes right along with it. Several groups stood out as highly unlikely to tithe. Highly unlikely to tithe. People under the age of 25. Okay, there's a couple of them in here. But, uh, of course, atheists and agnostics. What are you going to give to, right? Single adults who have never been married, liberals, and what they call downscale adults. So in other words, I used to make a lot of money. I lost that job. I'm living down here now. I'm holding on to everything that I've got kind of an attitude. One percent or less of these people in each of these segments tithed in 2000. This this, uh, uh, statistics are from 2007. Less than one percent. Among all born-again adults, and that's a wide range crossing denominational lines, all born-again adults, they say 9% contributed one-tenth or more of their income. And the study also showed that Protestants, okay, here we go, that Protestants were four times as likely to tithe than were Catholics. So, but it's 8% versus 2%, respectively. Now, in Christianity today, then I'll move from here. Christianity today tells us Americans who earn less, less than $10,000, you can't survive on $10,000, but Americans that earn less than $10,000 gave 2.3% of their income to religious organizations. One report says, whereas those who earn 70000 or more gave 1.2%. The less income, the higher percentage rate was given. Uh, While the actual percentages are slightly higher for Christians who regularly attend church, unfortunately, the pattern is still very similar. Households of committed Christians making less than $12,500 per year gave away roughly 7% of their income, a figure no other income bracket meets until the income within committed Christians raises above 90% 
and then it actually is 8.8% of giving. So again, so again, you think, so where's the balance? Where's, where's the understanding? I think one of the, one of the biggest issues that we run into as, as believers is, is ignorance, just not knowing, just not understanding. Because I know that there's a lot of churches that, man, they really shy away. Now, there's some churches you go to every week and they're saying, hey, you need to give, you need to give, you need to give. But I'm talking about normal, regular churches. They kind of shy away with it because, number one, you don't want people to feel uncomfortable. You don't want to put the pressure on people, that kind of a thing. And so we just kind of shy. And, and as a pastor, I got to tell you, it's a difficult thing to, to speak about because, again, it's always wondering, well, it's going through their minds. Yeah, we're asking for more money just so we can line the pastor's pockets. You need to understand that is just not the way that it goes at all. But the difficulty of that, I believe that ignorance, lack of understanding, but I believe the other thing is the lack of trust and commitment in every area of our lives as the church. Lack of trust and commitment in every area of our lives, particularly the finances. Let's move on. Paul spoke about the churches of Macedonia, and as he spoke to them, you need to understand, he was challenging them as a church. You think, wow, even Paul was challenging them to give? Yes, he was. Not, not, not coercing, not, not strong arming, but simply as a Christian father to them, challenging them to what the truth is. The words that he used were very direct. They were very pointed. We read them just a moment ago. He says, according to their ability, speaking of the church of Macedonia, according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing to give. But Paul also knew that it was more than just giving money to the cause. The most important factor, as we said earlier, he knew that they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. And so he urged Titus to bring the challenge back to Corinth. He to bring the challenge of both the heart and the gift to the church in Corinth. All that he had seen and heard of Macedonia. Now, Titus, I'm going to send you, look at what it says in verse six. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he will also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, and he's speaking to the Corinthian church, he says, man, you guys are abounding in everything. You're abounding in faith. You're abounding in speech. You're abounding in knowledge, in all diligence, and your love for us too. Well, see that you abound in this grace also. That's quite the challenge. It's quite the challenge of coming to a fellowship and saying, look, I, I know your situation. I, I've been with you for years and years. I, I know where you're at. I know that there's no sugar daddies. I know that there's no great riches here, that you're all working people. But I want to challenge you because of the need that's there. And that's the message that Paul is giving the church there in Corinth. He understood also that the blessings that come from hearts that are surrendered and hearts that are generous cannot be compared to anything else. You have a generous heart. You have a surrendered heart. The blessings of God that are going to be upon you, you can't, you can't put a dollar figure on that. These funds weren't going to Paul. 
They were going to be dispersed among the church in Jerusalem. And he wanted the Corinthians to be a giving people. But he also knew the blessing comes because of the attitude and the openness of the heart of the giver, not simply the size of the gift. It's not about the size of the gift. It's about the attitude of the heart. Okay, so as a matter of fact, in in, in chapter 9, which we won't get to tonight, but in chapter 9, in verse 7, he clarifies it pretty well when he says, let each one of you give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly, not, not of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So again, he's encouraging, no, just decide what you're going to give. And if you're good with that, that's, that's great. God knows your heart. Now, some say, well, I, I thought about it, and I, I think God only needs five bucks. So that's, I'm, I'm really good with that, and I'm, I'm really cheerful about that. I can give five bucks and get away with that. You know what? It's, it's all in the Lord. It's all in what, again, he is moving and working within your life. You know what? He carries this idea of giving, this idea of financial stewardship from chapter 8 all through chapter 9, and he continues to lay that foundation of what Christian, biblical, and financial stewardship ought to be, ought to look like. Back here in chapter 8, look at verse 8, in chapter 8, verse 8. Tells him, look guys, I'm, I'm not speaking by commandment. Again, it's not a strong arm issue. But I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this, Paul says, and in this I give advice. It is to your advantage. Did you catch that? It's to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago because the church had told him a year ago when Paul was there saying, oh yeah, we would love to give and they were gonna take time and collect the money so that when he came back through, they would have an amount that they could give and just like you know, many things, man, they didn't have the cash on hand, but you give us a while, we're gonna build up the funds so that when you come back through, we'll be able to give these finances to you to bless our brothers and sisters. So he says, hey, it's to your advantage. That was on your heart a year ago. So let's go ahead and go through with what you were desiring to do a year ago. Verse 11, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. So in other words, what he's saying, just to have a desire to do it and never move on, oh, you know, I would love to give. I would love to give but you never give. The story is told about the guy that says, oh, pastor, when I win the lottery, you know, I, I want to I build a church, you know, a new building, or I want to do this for the church. Pastor, when, when I win the lottery, I want to give a great amount of money to the church. <clears throat> that pastor just happened to be privy to what this guy didn't give. He says, well, let me throw a name out here. Hey, David. Uh, he said, well, David, if you're not faithful with what you do have now, what makes you think you're going to be faithful when you've got so much more? You see, a lot of people say, I, I, I can't give now, but if I had more, I would give. Wrong. It is, it is totally wrong. 
That, that's a lie of the devil, and it's shown over and over and over. It's not true. If we're not faithful in the little things, we're not going to be faithful in the big things. The exciting thing about New Testament tithing and the offering even, it's not a law issue. However, as I've said in this message, it's a heart issue and it is a trust issue. Paul tells the Corinthians, guys, it's to your advantage. This is going to be a blessing to you. You made a commitment to the Lord a year ago. Now you need to go ahead and, and fulfill that. Don't just keep saying, hey, yeah, I, I want to give, I want to give. He says, go ahead and do it. Way too many times I've heard emotionally driven, guilt-focused messages about giving to the church. Why, if you don't give, you know, God's going to go broke. Or if you don't give, then, then, then this ministry is going to fail. Well, you know what? If, if you got to strong-arm somebody to keep the ministry going, then let it fail. Bury that dude and move on and do something else. My God is not broke. Paul says, no, it's to your advantage that you do this. To your advantage. Why? Because I'm growing in faith that way. I get to the point where, man, I trust God in everything in my life. Oh, except my finances. No, I can't trust God in my finances. Really? Then you don't really trust God. Paul's saying to your advantage. I really dread speaking about this issue most of the time. But as I started studying this, I thought, no, this is fun stuff. This is fun stuff. Because I've seen it in my own life. I've experienced it. My, not just because I'm a pastor. Folks, I've been a Christian since I was a senior in high school. I haven't always been in the ministry, but I feel like I've always been in the ministry. I mean, I started since, since well, for 40 years, since 20 years old. And a few times not in. So whether we've been in the ministry or not in the ministry, I can testify to the fact that Todd and I have, have tested the Lord and to see if he wasn't faithful in this area. And he's proven himself faithful over and over and over. Does that mean that, man, we've had an abundance? No, you know what it means? He's given us enough to get by. He's given us enough to get by, and God has been faithful. And that's the exciting thing. I can trust him in that. Because I know it's to our advantage to trust him in every area of our life. I'd much rather have somebody else give a message like this. I'd much rather have Brian, our bookkeeper, our accountant at the church, come and give this message. Because it's not about me. It's not, it's not about the, the pastor's pockets. Beloved, it is about, again, the advantage that comes to us as believers when we get to the point of maturity in our life that we understand that we can trust him in that area, that area that is such a bondage to so many people. Now, we could probably go all around this room. We could probably hear testimony after testimony of individuals and families who've trusted God in this area of financing, and they found him to be faithful, and they found him to be true. Families that determine to trust the Lord in this area of their life. I can guarantee you we could find those testimonies tonight. But you would need to understand, more than likely, 99% of that would not be a testimony of, hey, we decided to tithe one week, and man, we got a, a check for $80,000 the next week. Suddenly, you know, my, my great uncle passed away, and he, we got a million dollars from him. Man, God's doing the deal. No. I believe, by and large, the greatest portion of the testimonies is just suddenly see 
the work of God within their lives and the relationship with God in lives growing. Testimonies of the greatness of the presence of God, knowing and experiencing his good pleasure in your life and as well as in your finances. It's not by commandment. It's by willingness of heart. And when we come before the Lord with a willingness of heart, beloved, man, that blesses him. That blesses him. And when we please our Father, man, what what greater thing could we have in our life to know that we're walking in a way that's pleasing to our Father? Look with me a little bit more, verse 12. As for if there is first a willing mind, it's accepted according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you should be burdened. In other words, look, everybody needs to give $100 tonight. Everybody needs to give $100 tonight. We're going to take an offering. Everybody needs to give $100. For some of you, you said, well, yeah, okay, I got 100 bucks here. No big deal. Some of you said, man, that means we're not going to make the mortgage this month. That means there's not going to be food on the table this month. It's totally out of proportion there, out of balance. So that's what he's saying. I don't mean for others should be eased and you be burdened. Look at verse 14. But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathers much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Equality. Equality comes in first in a willing mind. In other words, you know what? I just decided I'm going to be faithful in this area in my life. And Lord, I'm seeking for your leading and direction. I don't care what you're giving. I don't care what you're giving. I'm trying to find out, Lord, what do you want me to give? Where do you want me to be in this? How do you want me to be involved in the stewardship of my life? And then the equality also comes in the fact of not according to what you do not have. And again, that gets back to the deal. Man, if I get that raise, then I'll go ahead and tithe. Or man, if I just had a little bit more money, then I could give. No, he's not saying. It's not according to what you don't have. It's where you're at right now. Just being faithful with where you're at right now. The, The idea of equality actually comes to us from the Old Testament standard. And what was the Old Testament standard? A simple percentage basis. Just a percentage basis. Remember, about a surrendered heart, first, a willing mind, not the dollar amount. He said, according uh, to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And however, even, even today, even in New Testament times, a lot of believers feel that the tithe, the 10%, is just a good standard, a good, a good starting point in the discipline of our lives. And yet I know that there's some believers that say, whoa, are you kidding me? I'm like 10% in the hole at the end of the month. How in the world am I gonna give 10% you know, to the church? And you're talking like every paycheck? Are you kidding me? How in the world can I survive? You know what I tell people like that? You know what, you pray. You see where God wants you to start. You see what, what, what God would lead you in being faithful to him. Open 
We're so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a church home and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. When we began The Open Word radio ministry, our heart's desire was to get the message of God's kingdom and His grace to as many as possible. We knew that there'd be many who wouldn't come through the church door, but would perhaps tune into a radio program and be challenged and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the teaching of God's Word. God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. And yet, as with any ministry endeavor, there are expenses that happen through the production and distribution of these messages. If God has blessed you with the teaching, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in a financial commitment to the ministry of The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help the message of God's grace extend and grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word. Make us more and more.